Coming up, suitcases, shriveled faces, and master Bateses. Plus, Ask the Goat, an announcement from Cootie, and the much-heralded return of Satan in the News. All this and more on this episode of Kiss the Goat. Is everybody in? Is everybody in? Is everybody in? The ceremony is about to begin. And I'm Cootie, and this is Kiss yes. the, the Goat. Light a candle for the sinners, set the world on fire. This circle is closed, and no one may enter or leave without the express written consent of Major League Baseball. This is episode 30 of Kiss the Goat, and welcome to it. Say, now that we're all gathered around in a circle with the candles lit, let's all grasp hands and reach beyond the veil. What? How can we reach beyond the veil if we're holding each other's hands? Well, you just... Okay, okay then you take the other... Jesus, this really hurts my hips. <laughs> this is like yoga. So maybe we just... Yeah, maybe we just nod politely and say hello to our patron saint, John Carradine. And this is John Carradine. Witches, they pray. I know the secret killing things. I'm going to take the brain of a lesbian and put it into the body of a man who works for the telephone company. But why? What good will this do anybody? It'll show those fools who call me mad. Boy, do we have some fun planned for you guys over the next few episodes. (laughs) We're going to get into all that hot goodness in just a few minutes, but first, this break. And when we come back, we'll take a look at current events. I love current events. (laughs) <laughs> they're current. <laughs> and they're events. Black Anis Horror Podcast. The podcast that will change your life forever. That is not what... That's not... No. Intense. This is going to be filled with spoilers. So insightful that you will question your place in the universe. I don't like gore. Mind-blowing. Repetition of the repetition. Is that a word? That is now a word. Inspiring. It's almost like a little advertisement. Life changing. It's one of two things all the way through. Either predictable or stupid. Black Anna's Horror Podcast. Exclusively available on the Legion Podcast Network. And now it's time to visit Mr. Robertson's Neighborhood find out what Reverend Pat has to say to us today. 
A co-worker confronted me in the break room and said she can't believe in a God who let her baby of three years old die, suffering a long battle in and out of hospitals while he heals other children. She asked me, why did God allow my baby to die? I told her that I didn't know why her child died, but God sees the whole picture. We see only in part. What else can I say? Uh, well, what you have to understand, I think, uh, you know, in the Old Testament, it was like God's responsible for everything. He brings out the bad. He brings out the good. He's responsible for everything. Uh, more and more in the New Testament era, we have come to realize that human beings have uh, an agency. They have responsibility. And a lot of things happen because of what humans do. Yeah. I mean, people die in hospitals because of mal medical malpractice. Uh, somebody uh, cuts the wrong thing and somebody dies. It happens all the time. A nurse gives a patient the wrong medicine. Well, you going to blame that on God? That's not God. That's people uh, who are making mistakes. Now, as far as God's concerned, he knows the end from the beginning, and he sees a little baby. And that little baby could grow up to be Adolf Hitler. He could grow up to be Joseph Stalin. He could grow up to be... Uh, some uh, serial killer, or he could go up to die of a hideous disease. God sees all that. And for that life to be terminated while he's a baby, he's going to be with God forever in heaven. So that isn't a bad thing. started with Satan in the news. This is for Megan, Megan Maggot, who listens to us um, at least once in a while. But she sent in a, a question for Ask the Goat last time, and we couldn't really answer it because it involved sin specifically. So she wanted sin to say a sentence, and this is one of the weirdest things that we've done on the show, which is saying a lot, but <laughs> sin... We need you to say this following sentence. At dawn, the hawk attacked Sean Young and clawed her water bra. I mean, Sean's a girl. Sha yes. Yeah. Unless it's, you know, a guy Sean wearing a water bra. It yeah. Okay. That could work. Does it, gender fluid does it matter? <laughs> I was thinking of the Sean Young from Blade Runner, in which she was definitely wearing a water bra or something. I honestly have no idea who that is. Okay. But okay, okay. At dawn, the hawk attacks Sean Young, who is wearing a water bra. Bra? Fuck you! <laughs> <laughs> and welcome to my New York accent that I slip into at certain words. <laughs> that was awesome! Holy shit! Do you want me to try oh. say normal? <laughs> no, I want that as a ringtone on a phone. <laughs> that was fantastic. Just every time somebody calls me, I want to hear that sentence. <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs> now you see why people tease me. <laughs> Honey, I'm from the South. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah, there's... We get made fun of. <laughs> yeah, it's weird because I could say zebra, but I can't say brar. <laughs> See, and and when you say brar, that's how we say briar. So. Yeah, exactly. Oh. 
it's not a briar. It's it's a brar. Right. Don't throw right? those don't throw those titties in the brar patch. You should put them in a brar instead. That's right. <laughs> oh my god. I love it. Alright, so now that we have that out of the way. Hey Sin, let's talk about Satan. Let's talk about Satan in the news or in your bra, whatever. <laughs> whatever seems to work. I'm not wearing a bra. <laughs> Even better. Right on. Skypercism. Got Satan. Got Skype. Well, you're in luck because Arizona's own Reverend Bob Larson claims he can exercise your demons via Skype. Oh, that piece of shit, motherfucker! Okay. <laughs> Larson claims that through Skype, he can remove demons from his believers and send those demons back to hell. With 20,000 exorcisms under his belt, as opposed to altar boys, you might want to doubt his success rate, as these devils don't seem to stay in hell long, do they? You can book your 60-minute Skypercism for just $295. But wait, there's more. It's tax-deductible. Just be sure to get your demons out before the clock runs out. Otherwise, you'll have to shell out more to this shill. Larson, being an equal opportunity opportunist, will perform his Skype exorcisms for people from various countries. He even exercises those pesky gay demons. I wonder if he can exercise those pedophilia demons that seem to possess too many holy men. If you're not quite sure if you've got demons, Larson's website has a handy Got Demons quiz to determine if you need to throw your money away. Be forewarned, however, as opening his page resulted in my laptop crashing. Got malware? He also proudly posts some of his exorcisms on the Prophet YouTube. I wonder if allowing Larson to post your exorcism exploitation on YouTube gets you some kind of diabolical discount. I mean, money is the root of all evil, isn't it? Okay, now hold on. Hold on a second, because this has to happen. What? Oh. Uh, are you kidding? First of all, I have two questions. First, Well, one question. But first of all, who was a tax deductible for? Us or him? <laughs> well, he's a religious man, so he doesn't have to pay taxes related to the church. He is not a church, though. I mean, it's not like <laughs> he's not a building. Although, I guess... I don't know. I guess you could enter him. <laughs> Whoa! Ew. Those pesky gay demons? Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Or a sodomite-seeking asteroid. Hold on a second. He's got an extra... I'm looking at the Bob Larson website right now. That's what I'm... That's what I'm doing. Cause I... Seriously, to... there's... you got to see the Got Demons quiz. I'm looking for it, because I think we should take it. <laughs> it crashed my computer, though. I'm telling you that now. I can't even... I wasn't... I can't even I was, find it. I wasn't able to do the God Demons quiz. Damn it. All right. Well, we just got a new fucking modem, so. Oh, where is it? Did you try exercising <laughs> the demons out of your laptop? There's encounters, Skype encounters, intervention intensives, and coaching. Let's see if it's under encounters, which really sounds like Craigslist. <laughs> it might be under, like, application or something like that. I don't remember where it was. It's been a few months. Hey, Bob, why don't you have a search function on your goddamn website? Hey, you want to do me a favor? You want to pull up Bob Larson? Is it .org or .com? He's, it's, it's .org. BobLarson.org. 
Claire. Wait, yes. Demon Test. Demon Test. Oh, That's never it. mind. Never mind. I found Demon it. DemonTest.com. DemonTest.com. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. He looks like the worst Ghostbuster in this picture. <laughs> I really have to try to take that Demon Test. <laughs> well, you're about to. <laughs> you're going to do it to me now? Yeah, we're going to do this right now. Awesome. All right, start the test. He signs it, doing what Jesus did, Reverend Bob Larson. Jesus didn't have Skype. (laughs) That would have been really convenient. Really? I don't think think Jesus had demon quizzes at all. Okay, a few words about your demon test. (laughs) It really says that. Yes. A few words about your demon test. If you're concerned about your test score, we highly recommend that you schedule personal one-on-one time with Bob Larson. Oh, no! Can you take a demon test at a free clinic? (laughs) I don't know, but I can't even... Where the hell's the demon test? This says a few words about your demon test, and then you can't get to the demon test. I'm telling you, it's going to crash your computer. (laughs) Um, let's see. The first question is, do you sometimes exhibit uncontrollable outbursts of anger or violence? Do I sometimes exhibit uncontrollable outbursts of anger or violence? Fuck yes. Okay. We've just been talking about that, my friend and I. Okay, well, now listen. Your answers are never, in my past, or currently. Fuck yes isn't an answer. Okay, so we'll go with currently. Go with currently. Okay. (laughs) Have you experimented with two or more forms of the occult? Have I experimented with two or more forms of the occult? I don't experiment. I perfect it. We're going to make that currently. Have you been sexually violated, (laughs) raped, incested, or molested? Is incested a verb? (laughs) My friend is at high risk for um, demonic possession or obsession. Rock on. Obsession, sorry. But yes. Okay. okay. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna say in your past on that. Yeah, I'm currently not being raped. <laughs> okay. So that'll make it in your past. Do you sometimes manifest behavior not consistent with your normal personality? Oh yeah, no, it's a total serious test. Yeah. <laughs> no. My friend thought we were joking with her. Oh, no. I'm sorry. No, what no. was the question? Do you sometimes manifest behavior not consistent with your normal personality? Yes, absolutely. All right. Do you abuse alcohol or drugs to escape painful past experiences in life? I don't abuse them. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hold on. I'm drinking rum as we speak. All right. That's going to be right fucking now. Do you commit immoral or illegal acts contrary to your customary values? Well, my immoral acts would be right in line with my customary yeah. values. We're going so. to just put that one. We're just going to leave that one as it is. Have, <laughs> you, have you ever attempted or contemplated suicide? Have I ever attempted or contemplated suicide? We were just talking about that today. <laughs> Are you sometimes overwhelmed with feelings of severe depression and hopelessness? Am I sometimes overwhelmed with severe feelings of depression and hopelessness? Yeah. (laughs) Do you indulge in self-abusive behaviors such as anorexia, bulimia, cutting, or self-mutilation? 
I abuse myself every day, but not in those ways. <laughs> and in a more Catholic sense? <laughs> I ring the devil's doorbell. <laughs> We're going to make that currently. Um, have you experienced life-changing trauma from which you haven't recovered? Have I experienced life-changing trauma from which I have These are not my questions, Sin. I'm just like, fuck. Okay, two plane crashes. Um, right. Shall I go on? No, we're good. We're good. <laughs> Do you know of ancestors who committed murder, suicide, or sexual perversion? Do I know of ancestors that committed murder, suicide, or sexual perversion? Yes. That would be... But, yes. Okay. I think we're going to make that in my past. Well, oh, well just, how can there be ancestors that are current? Right? Yeah. That's well, dumb. I, my, mother, my mother may have committed suicide. Depends on who's lying to me and what given time. Hmm. So. Do voices tell you to commit illegal acts, blaspheme God, or indulge in immoral acts? Only when I'm listening to Kiss the Go. <laughs> <laughs> Have you asked Satan to take your life in exchange for something? Uh, I wasn't offering anything in exchange. I was just begging for him to just kill me now. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not looking to bargain. Just, just get it over with. Just, let's just... <laughs> get it done. Um, do you live a fear-based life resulting in paranoia or multiple phobias? Uh, yeah, I have multiple phobias. <laughs> <clears throat> have you experienced emotional or physical abuse from your biological parents? Yeah. <laughs> have you been emotionally or physically abandoned by either biological parent? Yeah. I was raised by wolves. Have you felt repeated disabling episodes of rejection or depression? Have I felt repeated disabling re episodes of rejection or depression? Yeah. <laughs> Have you failed repeatedly in significant relationships? Have I failed repeatedly in significant relationships? Um, not with lovers. Uh, I have isolated from family. Like my sister, the evangelical. Okay, so. okay. Then I'm going to leave that one. Is alone. that a fa is that a failure or a triumph? Yeah, <laughs> that's a good question. There's a there's definitely a line there. <laughs> Have you failed to experience trust and lasting love from a significant other? Yeah. <laughs> Do you consistently experience serious health or financial issues? Do I consistently experience serious health or financial issues? <laughs> okay, this is the final question. Are you, just, are you just like reading my Facebook post at this point? <laughs> final, final question. Are you significantly hindered in prayer, worship, Bible reading, and church attendance? I can worship just fine. It's just not related to the church or the Bible. <laughs> Satan. <laughs> Leave that one alone there. <laughs> All right. All right, let's submit. Oh, okay. Which Good is a terrible them. thing to hear from a Christian website, especially <laughs> a female. Uh -uh. 
Oh, honey, you are at high risk for demonic oppression or possession. Your test score is 41. Oh, my God, that's what my friend got. <laughs> the score. <laughs> <laughs> she just fisted me. <laughs> I think that gives you both three more points. That's awesome. Well, congratulations, Sin. You are in the right position as our Satan in the News correspondent um, with your high risk for demonic oppression or possession. So Bob Larson, he lives in your state. That's your shit. Yeah, thanks for that. (laughs) Well, I do live in the blasted lands, as you say, so. Indeed. I remember him from when I was a kid back in the 80s and his Mm. anti-rock campaign. Oh, sorry, mm. Cootie. Yeah, I didn't mean to bring that up. Well, she knows. She and I went through those same <laughs> battlefields a few years apart, but we still went through uh-huh. them. My parents didn't bother me with my music. In fact, they didn't bother me at all. <laughs> that's that's two more points. Okay. Let's, um... <laughs> Shall we move on, or is there more about Mr. Larson that we need to discuss tonight? Oh, I think we're so done with Larson. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so done with Larson. Been done with Larson. But that was too great not to fucking just explore the demon test. Uh, We should totally put Laker Kiss together, too. Uh, yeah. All of the accolades can take the demon test. I'm pretty pretty sure that that Cootie's actually buying demontest.org right now, so... Actually, demontest.org is not available. Neither is demontest.com, but damontest.com is available. Hey. Yeah. Oh. But I also just found a WordPress plugin that allows you to set up quizzes on your WordPress site. So. That's so we could kind of get we we okay. So something may happen along those lines. That's happening right now, actually. We could run the Damon test where every answer is just Matt Damon. I love it. <laughs> All right, let's move on. What's the next okay. story, Sid? An exorcism takes guts. A 14-year-old was thought to be demon-possessed by her family members. The South African girl was given to four female family members to be exorcised of her alleged devils. Her aunts and cousins, ranging in age from 19 to 42 waited for her to return from school before taking it upon themselves to rid her of her demons. Beyond prayer, the women used a knife to the young girls in other regions to open the way for which to remove the demons. The adults used a knife in their hands to remove the girls' intestines and vagina. The disembowelment was supposed to rid the pain of her demons. The gutted girl died at the scene. In January, the four family members were in court for their sentencing. The two oldest women were given life in prison. The younger adult got 12 years in jail and half suspended for a period of five years in the condition they were not convicted of a similar offense during this period. So what the fuck? So as long as they don't kill anyone else in the exorcism during the next five years, they go free? Really? That's justice? <laughs> I'm gutted. Oh. Mm. <clears throat> 
You know, and, and I wonder, <laughs> and this is a terrible thing to wonder, but I wonder if she just, like, if her stomach growled a lot, and they were just like, uh, oh, that's obviously Satan. Well, yeah, I could see how lactose intolerance could be mistaken for demonic possession. <laughs> <laughs> Believe me, I could see. Right? <laughs> <laughs> no feeder pudding. Oh, God. <laughs> <sighs> okay. We're horrible people going to hell. <laughs> well, we just took the test. We knew that. <laughs> That's right. Devils the world over. Interest in exorcism is on the rise the world over. But is it a rise in demonic simply a rise in the types of religions that believe in exorcism? The devils in the details. A surge of cartel-related killings in Mexico has been called satanic, with some of the victims being allegedly turned into vampires. This resulted in the magno exorcisto, or mass exorcism, we reported on prior segments of Satan in the news. A killer in Cape Town, South Africa, has blamed demonic possession for why he beheaded a 15-year-old boy and sold his body parts. The confessed killer is asking for an exorcism to rid him of his evil. A South Korean mother was murdered by her own family as they beat her to death in an attempted exorcism. Her family left her lifeless body in a German hotel as they failed to drive the devil out. But has all hell breaking out on earth? Or could this be an influx in exorcism caused by something else? In 2004, Pope John Paul II made an official decree that all Catholic churches appoint an exorcist all across the world. With that, we would naturally have a rise in churchgoers believing in demonic possession, as each church now has its own exorcist. So not only do we have an increase in believers in demonic influence within the churches, but we also have exorcists within those churches looking at their flock for any signs of evil incarnate. They could just take that demon quiz. <laughs> <laughs> that solves everything. In 2014, the Catholic International Association of Exorcists, henceforth abbreviated as the CIA of Exorcists in this report, fed the satanic fever by saying occult activity is on the rise. For the CIA of Exorcists, that includes fortune telling, crystals, talking boards, Tai Chi, and yoga. <laughs> tai Chi? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. The slowest form of possession. <laughs> And yes, yoga. Have you tried downward facing devil? Man, that's hard on the horns. <laughs> the, head, the head of the CIA of exorcists, priest Gabriel Amorth, claims to have cast out 160,000 demons himself. How many of those fuckers are there? <laughs> Is he some motherfucking demon magnet? Did I date him? <laughs> There's an annual exorcism course in Rome to groom more priests to become exorcists. I think that's hot. <laughs> Apparently, there's just not enough exorcists to deal with all the fucking demons. And traffic on the highway to hell must be a bitch. Priests will admit that most cases of possession are, in fact, mental illness and not demonic at all. So how do we tell if someone needs a priest or a pill? Glad you asked. Because the Catholic News Agency posted a useful article titled, How to Tell if Someone is Demon-Possessed. 
You know I had to read that article for you, Acolytes. So have a seat, kids. We're about to get educated on evil. Sweet! (laughs) Firstly, if there is a suspicion of possession, the person must first be cleared by a medical doctor of any physical or mental defect that may present in ways that can be mistaken for possession. If a person is possessed, when the priest is reciting a long prayer, the possessed person might make faces, use foul language, gestures, or blasphemies. Sounds like a typical day working in a call center. I get that way in a traffic light. Right? What was that? I get that way in a traffic light. It's because you have demons. (laughs) What else do you have for us, priest? Those prone to possession will often turn to magicians and illusionists. So, avoid Photoshop? (laughs) Got it. (laughs) What else, priest? To avoid possession, one should avoid any attempts to obtain knowledge of future events. Well, that explains Trump supporters, but there has to be more. Stop holding back, priest. Whip out your god rod on us. No necromancy. Oh, come on. That's where I draw the line. Uh. (laughs) No horoscopes. Well, how the fuck am I supposed to know when it's a good time to conjure the dead without knowing the stars are right? Right. That's it. That's the Catholic Church's official way to determine if a person is possessed. Now, it sounds like more like a list of nopes rather than a checklist. Nonetheless, there are 500 to 1,800 evangelical exorcism ministries in the U.S. alone. I want to start exorcising Pentecostals. (laughs) Yeah, let's do that. I think... When they start speaking in tongues, just go, no, you're the devil! And just, you know, tackle them. Just bring them down, because fuck. Are they the ones that play with the snakes, too? Some of them. Not all of them, but some of them. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) My friend immediately knew. (laughs) Oh, my God, she was raised Pentecostal. That's why she's an atheist now. (laughs) That'll do it. That'll do it. Yeah. And possessed by demons. (laughs) That'll do it. It's hard to be possessed by shit you don't believe in. (laughs) Uh, I agree. (laughs) The falling in the Philippines. A high school in the Philippines had to cancel class recently due to suspected demonic possession. It started when a couple of schoolgirls started crying and having trouble breathing like they were at a fucking Justin Bieber concert. Other girls joined in the mania, mimicking the same symptoms and even convulsing on the floor. Several spirits were seen to enter the girls, according to some of their classmates. Vodka? Was it vodka? Were those <laughs> the spirits that entered the girls? Church officials came to the school with chasers of holy water for the afflicted girls to drink. School was canceled for the day and blessed. The school resumed classes the very next day without further demonic distractions. If this report rings any school bells for you, it should. This is not the first such school to experience contagious hysteria. In the 1960s, English schoolgirls began fainting and having seizures with no medical reason. There's currently a movie streaming on Netflix about this called The Falling. I watched it, hoping for some insight in the similar hysteria that affected the Salem witch trials. Unfortunately, other than the strong lesbian undertones and overt incest, the movie was about as stimulating as a flat chest. The falling fell. <laughs> the falling fell flat. 
You know, that sounds a lot like how the Salem Witch Trials started. So there's kind of like a mixture of Salem and Pretty in Pink. Yeah, that's why I watch it, because I was hoping it would be, you know, like you'd get some insight into the whole Salem Witch Trials, but it really sucked. It was really bad. It was so bad I gave it one star. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> even with the lesbian overtones and the incest. So it wouldn't even um, pass, it wouldn't it wouldn't pass the demon test. <laughs> Rising from the ashes. You know about the constitutional law about the separation of church and state? You know how some politicians and their base are always trying to chip away that law to make us a Christian nation? Well, the satanic temple is here to bring it to the hypocrisy. Always defending freedom of religion and freedom from religion, the Satanic Temple of Tucson has asked to deliver the opening prayer for the Phoenix, Arizona City Council meeting. With the Satanic Invocation having been scheduled for February 17th, the Phoenix City Council suddenly passed a rule to take emergency effect within 24 hours. All of the Abrahamic religion prayers had been welcome, but now that the atheistic Satanic Temple wants to enjoy the same quality, the Phoenix City Council wants to rewrite the rulebook to exclude the Satanic Temple and other minority religions. The new rule will no longer allow verbal invocations, but rather silent prayer, thus preventing the Satanic Temple from doing their invocation that was scheduled for February 17th. So once again, we're dealing with the oppressed majority preventing freedom of religion. The Phoenix City Council decide to have a moment of silent prayer rather than allowing a non-Christian voice to be heard. That lasted just long enough to have the date that the Satanic Temple was scheduled to do their invocation to pass. Once a scheduled date had passed, with the moment of silent prayer not allowing Satanic Temple to be heard, the Phoenix City Council then reversed their rules again, allowing Christian prayers to be prayed outright, as they have for decades in this governmental meeting. All this is obvious violation of the Constitution, and the Satanic Temple will sue. The Satanic Temple of Tucson will continue to be the underdog, or should I say hellhound, and continue to fight for our rights and liberties in other parts of Arizona as well. Next on the list of places for which there is an unholy union of church and state is my very own Tucson City Council meetings, which also start with a prayer before governmental proceedings. Stay tuned for more Satan in the News as this story is ongoing. (laughs) Reporting from hell, this is the original sin, Cindy Sin Fallon. If you need more sin in your life, and really, who doesn't? Uh, you can find her on Facebook by joining her group, Modern Witch Executions, Never Again the Burning Times. Uh, she's also an admin on our Kiss the Goat Facebook page, and you really should join us there because we have a lot of fun, and we do fun things with fun in mind. So <laughs> it, there's fun to be had at the fun place. Indeed. You can also hear Sin on terrestrial radio broadcasting from somewhere out in the blasted lands of the Great Southwest, reporting on the issues that affect the LGBTQ community. Back in a minute. Once there was a show called the Not-So-Evil Episode Sidecast. It was a long name, Batman. No one could ever remember it. They released 25 episodes of brilliant film criticism. And like that, he's gone. Now, six months later, we're back. I didn't know we were gone. We've got a brand new name, new movies to review, but the same old attitude. Foul language and obscure references? Count me in. 
Each episode, we pick a topic, watch four movies related to that topic, then bicker amongst ourselves to decide which film is the best. We are the theme warriors! Join Iris, Jeffrey X. Martin, Doug Tilly, and myself for Theme Warriors. Four people, four movies, one dynamite show. Catch us on iTunes, Stitcher, and the Horophilia Network of Podcasts, as well as the Legion Podcast Network. That's the Theme Warriors! Don't want to sleep no more! Who are you people? Welcome back to Kiss the Goat. We're starting a new series on this episode of KTG. I don't, I don't mean like a whole new podcast, just like a series within a series. Right. You know. Episodes about, a, a, well anyway, for the next eight episodes, we're going to be looking at movies that were condemned by the now defunct League of Decency. From 1933 until 1980, the MPAA wasn't the only group giving films ratings. The League of Decency, which was run by the Catholic Church, not only gave the movies their own ratings, but they had the ability to condemn them. If the Catholics decided a movie was morally objectionable, then they would rate it C for condemned. So this C rating meant one thing for the millions of Catholics in America, boycott. Boycott. The condemnation of a movie by the Catholic Church meant that Catholics were forbidden to see that movie because it was a mortal sin. Didn't matter how good the movie might be, if it got the big C, Catholics were basically commanded to boycott it. Now this could ruin a movie, destroying it at the box office before it even got a chance to play the flyover states. That's... 20 million people staying home for Jesus. Amazing! Right? So we, of course, decided to look back at some of the movies that were condemned by the League of Decency. Not surprisingly, we've already covered a few of them, like The Devils. The Wicker Man. Rosemary's Baby. The Omen. (laughs) We like a lot of the movies that the League of Decency didn't. What the fuck would we have to do with anything called the League of Decency? Um... (laughs) Anyway, we would like to find out why the Catholics would hate a movie so much that they would try to give it the death sentence. So, of course, we picked out eight movies that the League of Decency declared indecent. We're going to watch them, see if we can figure out why they would be condemned, and give them the good old kiss the goat fisting. We'll be back right after this with our first condemned movie of the series, a little 1960 thriller known as Psycho. Wee, 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 wee. <laughs> Hello? Hello. Who is this? Who are you trying to reach? I don't know. Oh, I think you've got the wrong number. Do I? I'm going to hang up. Wait, don't hang up. What's that noise? Popcorn? You're making popcorn. Uh Uh-huh. I only eat popcorn when I listen to podcasts. I'm about to listen to a podcast. Oh, really? Which one? Probably the podcast on Haunted Hill. Is that the one with the two guys with the beards? Uh, yeah, Dan and Gav. 
Most episodes, they look at two different horror movies. Each episode, they look at a world of a strange, where they look at weird things from around the world. Sometimes, they even do special episodes where they look at different genres or directors' discographies and talk about them. Hmm. Do you have a boyfriend? Maybe. So where can I find the podcast on Haunted Hill? Well, you can go to legionpodcast.com, Facebook, Twitter, or just go into iTunes and search for the podcast on Haunted Hill. So, are you going to ask me out? Welcome back to Kiss the Goat. Tonight we're going to be talking about the 1960 film Psycho by Alfred Hitchcock. Here we have a quiet little motel, when in fact it has now become known as the scene of the crime. Do you have a vacancy? Oh, we have 12 vacancies. You know, this is the first place it looks like it's hiding from the world. I think that we're all in our private traps, clamped in them. And none of us can ever get out. Is anyone at home? Oh, that, uh, that must be my mother. She's run away. Put me down. Mother, oh God, mother! What are you running away from? She looked like a wrong one to you. It's not as if she were a, a maniac. She just goes a little mad sometimes. Now, when most people think Hitchcock, they think Psycho. So this is arguably his crowning achievement um, in his career. (coughs) Um, This was a black and white film starring Anthony Perkins and Janet Leigh, uh, John Gavin, Vera Miles, Martin Balsam, among others. But that was the, the main cast of the film. Um, so this story, at its heart, is a story about the love of a boy for his mother. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's true. It's, it's true. A, it's, it's a love-hate relationship yeah. that Norman Bates has with his mother, Norma. And how can you not, when you're named Norman and your mother's name is Norma, I mean... Really? Yeah, that's, that's like that's just so cute. That is so cute. It's not creepy at all. <laughs> That'd be like if we had a daughter and had named her Exina. That would be really, really weird. Yes, it would. Yeah. So anyway, um, the movie starts with um, this secretary, um, played by Janet Lee, gorgeous blonde classic beauty you know just these amazing features short blonde hair very progressive woman obviously because um in the beginning of the film she is taking her lunch break by shagging her boyfriend in a you know hourly hotel room real (laughs) up class kind of place 
Um, so uh, her character's name is Marion Crane. And um, she is kind of angsty because she's in love with this man that she's shagging on her lunch breaks. And he is in love with her, too. Or at least he says. And she's all, why don't we get married? And he's all, but we can't get married because I have debts and I have an alimony payment. And you would be better off finding someone who's, air quotes, available. So... So wait, right? you, you think he really doesn't love her? You think he's just in it for I really got the impression that he did not want to commit. He did not want to get married again. Well, yeah, but do you think it was because of the reasons that he mentioned? Or was he just, you know, in it, in it for the nook? I think those were convenient excuses. Wow. Yeah. Well. At least that's the impression I got. Okay. Well, I mean, he got all kinds of worried later in the movie and seemed to be kind of sincere, but it may have just been because, you know, that was his, that was his action. Oh, that was like, that was, okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Well, anyway, I guess it's hard to follow up with somebody that you're only trysting with. There was trysting. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He would come into town. He was in, what was he in California? Oh no, they were in. Um, well, I know that she. They were in Phoenix. Phoenix, Phoenix, yeah. right, right, right. But anyway, one of the one of the main things is let's get Sam out of debt so that we can get married and everything will be fine. Right, right. So Marion is. She works in a real estate office, and this guy with a big cowboy hat, mustache, looking like he just got kicked out of Green Acres, comes rolling into the office, and he's got. A briefcase full of money. You know who that guy reminds me of? Who? He reminds me of um, Hank Hill's boss in King of the Hill. Oh my god, you're right. Just a sleazy motherfucker with a lot of money and a libido bigger than his intelligence. Yep. (laughs) And bigger than his dick, more than likely. Yep. Because he's got $40,000. He doesn't need a dick, you know? Nope. So anyway... He's got 40000 bucks to put down on a property. And Marion's boss asks her to put the money in the bank. And she's like, well, sure, I can do that. But, I don't know, I'm having rather a heavy period. I don't want to go bleeding all over the seats. Is it okay if I just take the rest of the afternoon off? And um, She has a headache, which, you know, is chick lingo for I'm ragging hard and I need to go lay down. Right. Which says a lot about that afternoon tryst. Also, progressive. Um, right on. <laughs> so anyway, Marion goes home and she's, she's, she's packing light. She's going to pack it. She's going on this trip because she's going to steal that money. And she's going to go out to Fairvale, California and give it to Sam. And they're going to pay off his his student loan debts. And they're going to pay off that pimp and... And that drug dealer for all the blow that he did after that Johnny Mathis show. and You're making Sam way more interesting than he is right now. Sam is a boring (laughs) motherfucker, you're right. But anyway, they're going to take care of Sam and get married and be happy and all of that happy shit. Happy and on the lam because she stole $40,000. Yeah, right. (laughs) And of course, they'll never come to her. No, she's not exactly thinking logically at this point, apparently. So, yeah, she takes off on this road trip. And as she's heading out of town, she stops at a red light. And who should walk 
across the crosswalk right in front of her fucking car, but her boss. And not only does he walk in front of her fucking car, but he turns and looks at her dead in the eye and then keeps walking like he didn't recognize her at first or something, which probably says a lot about her character because she really was kind of this mousy kind of character. I don't, I don't think that's true. I think he looked at her and did recognize her and that's why he looked so confused, but he realized that he had to finish crossing the street or else he was (laughs) going to get run over in the middle of downtown Phoenix. Oh, okay. Was that what it was? That's what I think it was. It was was just a... Fuck, is that Marion? Oh, shit, I better get out of the oh, road. damn, look at all these fucking cars. Where am I? <laughs> I think he was in a fugue state for a moment. Right on, right on. So anyway, now Marion's extremely paranoid. She's very nervous. And she just drives and drives and drives and drives. And she gets tired and she pulls over the side of the road and falls asleep. Now, the, per- the way that she wakes up is, um... <laughs> a cop knocking on her window. That's not that's not anything you want to happen. You never want to wake up because a cop is knocking on your window. Yeah, that's never good. So anyway, she already being paranoid and thinking she's about to be arrested for running away with forty thousand dollars. I think it's on a Friday when they don't we don't figure out this shit until Monday. You know. And by that time, they can use her money to go to Mexico and get a plastic surgery on her face or whatever. <clears throat> and she can have a new uh, identity. I'm really going off now. Um, anyway, this is- You know, Mexico's really close to California. She could probably drive across the border, get some plastic surgery, and then come back. Yeah, they'd never really figure out who she was. I know, right? Anyway, the cop is like, uh, how come you're pulled over on the side of the road? And she's like... Well, I was sleeping. Why didn't you get a motel? And she was like, because I was tired and I didn't mean to sleep all night. I wasn't going to sleep all night. And the cop's just like, well, you slept all night. And she's like, did I do anything wrong? Did I break any laws? (laughs) Why are you fucking with me? (laughs) The cop's like, well, no. And she's all like... Well, do you think I've done anything wrong? And I'm, am I acting strangely? And the cop's like, well, yeah, yeah actually. You are. You're acting really fucking strange. Really fucking weird right now. <laughs> <laughs> Can I see your license? Why? I guess because you're acting real fucking weird, just like you said you weren't. But you are. So, yeah, it's a really weird exchange between Marion and the cop. But anyway, <laughs> the cop takes her license. And goes back to the car, to, I guess, to radio back into base and see if they can, you know, see if she has any priors. I think that's how the law enforcement officers refer to that. That's cop lingo. Yeah, that is co- yeah that's good yeah. cop lingo. Mm-hmm. Do you have any priors? Are you a perpetrator? Are you a perp? <laughs> Are you a prior perp? So while the cop's got her driver's license, she takes off. Fucking drives off. Drives away. Dumb. So if she wasn't suspicious before, she's really fucking suspicious now. But then we get into some really suspicious behavior because it's she drives through to the morning and she goes to a used car lot, just a sled lot. California Charlie. Oh my god, this guy. 
That's going to be a shitty bad luck day, because they always say if the first customer on the lot's a woman, it's going to be bad luck the rest of the day. Really? Fuck you, motherfucker. I'm going somewhere else, because you... Are a sexist asshole. Boom. <clears throat> Doesn't happen like that, though. Nope. Not at all. Nope. No, Marion picks out a car, like, immediately, and he's all like, Oh, well, this is the car I would have picked out for you, little lady. And she's all like, Yeah, I want this. Here's the cash. And he's all like, Well, hold on just a second. How much is it? $700? Okay, here you go. I'll pay you $700. Do you have a bathroom? I need to go to the bathroom. <laughs> she's, like, talking really fast. <laughs> And the whole time that this is happening, the cop that pulled her over is parked across the street watching her. Just staring at her, standing there with his arms crossed, leaning against his cruiser. Just kind of wait to see what she'll do next. And, you know, what she does, of course, is buy a new car and then take off. And then you don't see him again for the rest of the movie. Yep. No idea what the fuck happens to that patrol person. He just disappears. Yeah. So that's also very odd behavior, which I don't understand. But the ways of police officers are not the ways of normal men, apparently. And I am not meant to understand them. I don't know. Anyway, she takes off and drives and drives and drives and drives. And before you know it, it's nighttime again. And it comes a fucking maelstrom. Water pouring from the heavens. She can't see shit. And suddenly, out of the gloom and the dark and the glaring headlights comes a motel sign. It's the Bates Motel. So she pulls over, thinking, yep, this is smart. I'm going to do this. And um, nobody seems to be at home, so she starts honking her horn. And Norman Bates comes running down from this big fucking gothic mansion on a hill overlooking the hotel and the highway that she had just pulled off of. It's a beautiful mansion. It reminds me of weren't we saying that it looked a lot like the Adams family house. It is very much like the Adams family house. And mm-hmm. it it kind of exists in a world of its own because this is a place where um, sound doesn't work like it does in real life. It's <laughs> true. The acoustics on that hill are fucking amazing. Everything that gets said in the house, you can hear it in the motel. And everything that gets said in the motel, they can hear up in the house. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if they're like in between two mountain ranges or if they're trapped in, I don't know, fucking Megaphone Valley. I don't know (laughs) how that works, but that's how it works. It's really Mm -hmm. weird. Yeah, yeah. So, down the hill comes stuttering, um, awkward Norman Bates, and um, he checks her in, and she signs some um, pseudo-name. Signed- what, the- um, what was the name she used? I Marian can't remember. Marion Loomis. No, Samuels. Oh, was it Marian? Because her boyfriend's okay. name was Sam, so... Oh, well, his last name was Loomis. Yeah, no, I'm pretty sure it was Samuels. Regardless, and she said she was from Los Angeles, which she wasn't, but that's where her boyfriend Sam is. So she lies, and um, she goes to check into the room, and and poor stuttering Norman is all like, "Are you hungry? I, I, I you know, I, I, I can make you sandwiches." And she's like, "No, really, I'm just, I'm just really tired. I want to lay down." Oh, but you've got to be hungry, you know. There's, there's a restaurant like ten miles down the road, but I can make some sandwiches. So finally, in his awkward charming sort of way he convinces her to allow him to make her sandwiches 
So he goes back up to the house and he makes the sandwiches and he brings them back down. And um, I think sandwiches he's like, are the universal symbol of friendship. Is that what it is? When the aliens come, they're just going to bring sandwiches. Yeah. And we're going to we'll go, to... We're gonna go, oh, dude, is that the chicken salad? That seems great. Thanks. <laughs> you got any chips? Yeah. And then they'll take over at will because we have sandwiches and now we're all drowsy. Suckers. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, there's a tray of sandwiches. And he says, you know, it's just it's too awkward here in the office. And he won't go into her room. He's obviously, like, freaked out at the concept of being in a woman's room. So he's all like, come into my parlor, which is right behind the office. So Marion walks through into the parlor and is surrounded by dead animals. Okay. Just Part no. Stop. Full of dead animals. There's, it's taxidermy. They're stuffed. <laughs> it doesn't it's, matter. They're dead. It's not like she walked in and she was ankle deep in a pool of decaying puppies. <laughs> It's like birds and stuff, man, and they're all stuffed and on the wall and posed know. and staring at her with those fake glass eyes. Well, yeah, but they're safe and they don't have that, you know, stench of decomposition. They're still dead animals. Uh, well, they smell like sawdust. And <laughs> sawdust and kosher salt. <laughs> so much better. <laughs> Again, sandwiches. Depends on where you go. <clears throat> right on. So they have a very weird kind of late dinner with the sandwiches and the taxidermy animals. And he talks a lot about his mother. He really talks a lot about his mom. More so than you should on a first date. Is this a date? Kind it of a might date. as well be. It's kind of a date, I guess. Yeah. Well, anyway, after she's officially creeped out by Norman and his awkward uh, sexual advances and, you know, ways that he doesn't talk right. His sexual, non-sexual advances. Yeah. Really, really fucking awkward. Yeah. Like, every time things get close to being sexual, he basically rams his fingers into his mouth and tries to gnaw his fingerprints off. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty accurate, actually. So Marianne goes back to her room, and she's had a change of heart. She's like, wow, I just stole a shit ton of money, and I probably, probably shouldn't have done that. Um, maybe I can make it back to Phoenix and deposit that stuff in the morning, mm-hmm. and everything will be cool. Yeah. So she goes back to her room and decides that she needs a shower, like you do. And uh, we find out that Norman has a peephole in the fucking wall. <laughs> Between the office and cabin number one, where Marion is staying, he pulls a uh, painting off the wall, and there's a little hole there, and he sticks his eye up to it and watches her get undressed and, and go to get in the shower. And, of course, he fucking freaks out suddenly, all kinds of guilt and shame, and he shouldn't be doing this, so he runs away. So next we see Marion getting into the shower in one of the most famous scenes of movies anywhere ever. Um, in comes the shadowy figure of an old woman, and so it appears, dressed in a long dress and brandishing a 
big fucking butcher knife stabs the shit out of Marion. She's screaming. There's blood flying. You get a little glimpse of side boob, which had to have been really, really fucking controversial for 1960, I'm guessing, for a mainstream film. And Marion falls. Well, the old lady runs out of the bathroom after stabbing the shit out of her, and Marion falls really kind of gracefully for a woman who's been stabbed to death in the shower. She didn't weigh much. And that's true. She was really slender. And then, you know, um, with all the blood loss, she just kind of floated. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. She just kind of fell like a feather mm-hmm. out of the shower on kind of laying half in the tub and half out of the tub and pulls the shower curtain down with her. And this is the most amazing shot to me. Uh, you know, she grabs the shower and you see the rings popping as her weight pulls on the grommets and how it pulls it down off of the the rings that holds it to the bar and she lands in the floor and her eye is wide fucking open and there's this the camera is right on it and it just pulls back slowly and she just lays there not moving and you're like oh fuck this girl is gone it's a beautiful fucking shot love it it is very good um and yeah, you'll you'll see that kind of show up in pop culture too, if you've mm-hmm. ever seen the Mel Brooks movie High Anxiety. Um, there's a really good, almost shot for shot parody of that sequence. Which <laughs> instead of instead of blood, it's ink running from a newspaper. It's really funny. You totally yes. check that out. <laughs> so anyway, now Marion's dead, and Mother Mother Bates is suspect number one. And again, mm-hmm. we get that weird sound thing between the hotel and the house, and Norman's all like, oh, mother, shit, blood. Oh, the blood, what? Mother, what, what have you done? We told you to stop taking that estrogen, because now this isn't <laughs> this is supposed to happen at your age. Um, so he goes down to cabin number one, opens the door, and sees Marion lying you know, half in, half out of the tub, and he's just he's shocked, hand over his mouth, trying not to puke. But he's, you know, he cleans it up like a good son, mm-hmm. mops everything up, wraps her up in the shower curtain, puts her in the trunk of her car, along with the money. Which he doesn't <laughs> know is there. <laughs> Schmuck. Yeah. And um, he drives her car into the swamp. Sink well, he gets out first. Just... Well, yeah, obviously. Well, he drives to the swamp and then kind of, you know. <laughs> Just kind of eases it into the swamp, glug, 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 and there, and there it goes down. Bye-bye, Marion. Bye-bye, Marion. Bye-bye, 40 grand. It's all gone. <sighs> of course, not forgotten, because she left behind um, a sister named Lila. Is that right? Yes, Lila. Yes. Uh, Lila, the angry um, ex-military... She left behind a sister named Lila, and of course she left behind a job. She's butch, with... okay? That's all I'm trying to say. She's really butch. She's very assertive. Uh-huh. Put it that way. Um, and so she left behind a sister, she left behind a boss who's wondering where the fuck his money is, and she left behind the, the big Texan who is also wondering where the fuck his money is. And so rather than going to the police... The Texan hires a private detective. 
um, a private detective who has a great last name. His, well, I think his whole name is great. Where is it? I'm trying to find it. It's Bor. I never can remember. It's like Borgast. It's Arbogast. Arbogast. I keep saying Borgast. It's Arbogast. <laughs> He's a private dick. He is a private dick with a great last name. I mean, Arbogast. Milton, what the hell? It's Milton Arbogast. Milton Arbogast. He's straight private up out of dick. some kind of novel. That's just, that's crazy. A so, private yeah. dick novel. <laughs> you just like saying private dick. Dick. Yeah, I do. You're right. Oh, God. So, yeah, the, the big-ass Texan uh, hires Arbogast to investigate what the fuck happened to his $40,000. So, um, at the same time, Lila is stomping about um, trying to investigate the disappearance of her sister at, you know, simultaneously as Arbogast is doing his investigation. So, um, Lila's first instinct is to go to Sam in California and be like the fuck is my sister what's up with this money if you guys have are in this together you need to tell me now I just want to talk to my sister and Sam is all like wait a second let's take a step back I have not seen Marion in several days I don't know they haven't even been trysting they they didn't tryst you know since Friday it's now Sunday there was no trysting on the in-between. He doesn't know what's going on. He hasn't talked to her. And while Lily is, or Lily, is Lily right? Lillian. Lila. Lila. Jesus. While Lila is in there talking to Sam, Arbogast comes barging in. And he's all like, all right, now, where is she? I know she's here. And Sam's like, the fuck, no, she's not here. So anyway, the three of them team up. And they decide that they're going to investigate this thing together. I'm not sure that's a great idea. What? Them investigating together. Because they don't like each other. They really don't. It's like... And Sam doesn't even want to marry Marion. Yeah, I kind of think he might be interested more in Lila than he ever was in Marion. Ew, see, that's just creepy. I just, I don't know. I just don't like her. I don't like her at all. So that's just me, I guess. But anyway, the, the investigation starts to revolve around Fairvale. And, you know, there aren't that many places to stay in Fairvale, pretty much just the Bates Motel. Um, and, of course, it's the, it's the private dick that finds her name in the register, realizes that um, Marion Samuels was a fake name. So, um, after he has a handwriting sample. He does have a handwriting sample. Yeah, yes, he goes he in and he, he interrogates Norman, who acts really fucking suspicious because, well, he killed Marion. Um, so he's all, you know, in his insistive private. Mother killed sort of Marion. Well, okay, so mother killed Marion, but he knows that mother killed Marion, and he's all freaked out. And he's trying to protect mother. So anyway, um, the private dick calls Lila and Sam or Lilo and Stitch, however you want to say it. He informs, and and he tells them, hey, I'm going to go speak to Norman's mom because I think she might know something. And, of course, she's up in the big house at the top of the hill. So he breaks into the house. It's breaking and entering, which I guess is okay when you're a private dick. Sure. I see a lot of private dicks break and enter. (laughs) Eh. Especially the back door. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> right on. Um, so he sneaks in and he goes to the top of the stairs where he figures, you know, her bedroom is. And this is my favorite shot of the movie. I mean, the shower scene is great, but this is my favorite shot is when Norma in her big fucking Amish dress and her hair that looks like a old chicken drumstick. <laughs> it does. <laughs> she meets him at the top of the steps with that knife and stabs him and he goes falling backwards down the steps and the way the camera does it, it keeps the focus on him as he's like flailing backwards down the steps and it's almost like he's floating backwards down is. the staircase until he hits the ground. It's, it's beautiful. really an awesome shot. I totally love that. <laughs> but anyway, you can say goodbye to your private dick, and Norma has claimed another life. So now, Lilo and Stitch um, have to go to the... Sorry. They have to go and deal with the cops. And if you think, you know, Arbogast was bad, these cops are just... Oh my god. Sweet. Yeah. Uh, just fucking idiots. <laughs> The fucking local cops, man. So they go beating on the sheriff's door in the middle of the night, and he's all like, what's going on here? So Lila and Sam go in and tell him the story, and his response? Well, let's call Norman. Right? Oh, okay. Norman, did you kill these people? Why no? Well, case closed. (laughs) That's some good detective work there, Lou. Which, I guess, you know, he does have a reason to be suspicious of their story because they're all like, you know, Arbogast went to talk to Norman's mother and he's all like, quah? Norman's mother? (laughs) So he tells them that Norma Bates has been dead for 10 years. Plot twist. (laughs) Yeah, and it really was because apparently back in 1960, uh, when this was released in theaters, even on the posters, it said, um, if you show up late for this movie, we're not going to let you in. And it would be really cool if you did not reveal the shocking twist ending of Psycho. Yeah? Yeah. Well, that's pretty cool. Right? So apparently this is the first time this had ever really been thought of and placed into a movie. You see it all the fucking time now, but that's because of Psycho. So. Huh. Fascinating. I love that. Um, I also love that, uh, and it's just an interesting fact that I found when I was reading the Wikipedia article about this film, is that Hitchcock bankrolled the whole thing himself. He couldn't get fucking funded for it. So he was like, you know what? Screw you guys. I'm still going to make this movie. And he did. And that's pretty freaking awesome. Um he also, let's see if I can find the camera information about it again. It was pretty cool. Um, oh, you told me about this. They were yeah, using, yeah. They Here were... we go. It says that nearly the whole film was shot with 50 millimeter lenses on 35 millimeter cameras, and that he did this because it really closely mimicked normal human vision. And he felt like that would help to draw the audience in and to further in- involve them. And I have to agree. Well, it almost gives the film its own, like, peripheral vision. Yeah. You know, you see shit out of the corner of your eye, almost, while you're watching Psycho. Mm-hmm. Really fucking cool. Yeah. So, anyway. <laughs> Where were we? Um, oh, yeah. 
local dick calls uh calls norman that's where we were yeah i don't remember what what he says to norman oh well basically he's like norman have you seen this guy arbogast and norman you know we can't hear his side of the conversation but apparently you know from what we heard from the sheriff's side norman says yeah he was here about an hour ago he asked me some questions and then he left and the sheriff's like all right well thanks norman have a good night and then he hangs up <laughs> he tells lila and sam well yeah he was there but he left about an hour ago and they're all like but what about norman's mother and this is when he tells them you know what guys norman's mother's been dead for 10 years and that doesn't set real well with sam and lila and they decide they're going to go to the hotel to check things out themselves yeah and that's when things take a weird sort of turn not like they haven't already (laughs) because at the hotel they 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 meet norman and sam kind of keeps norman down the office just talking to him you know sup bro hey bro you live (laughs) (laughs) do you lift you know do you like uh surfing i don't know whatever the hell they're talking about meanwhile lila sneaks up to the house and um because Lila does not believe the sheriff when he says that Norma Bates has been dead for 10 years. Lila wouldn't believe anything if you did it right in front of her. She's just that person. That's just true. Just that stubborn-ass woman. <laughs> she is a stubborn-ass woman. I'm not making a grand generalization about women. She I'm is just... a woman. She is a stubborn-ass. That's just the way you said woman. <laughs> Stubborn ass woman. Stubborn ass woman. <laughs> so anyway, Lila's sneaking around the house, and um, oh, Norman's figured out that Sam's trying to distract him, mm-hmm. and so he knocks Sam out and runs up to the house to try to figure out what's wrong with his mother. Very protective. Norman Very protective. Is. Yeah. Yeah. So Lila searches the house, doesn't find her. Finally, she ends up in the in the in the fruit cellar, and um, she sees Mrs. Bates sitting in a chair, just facing the wall. And she's like, "Oh, Mrs. Bates, hey, I found you. Um, I was going to ask you, you know, if you killed my sister, but <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe you should make me a sandwich with that big fucking knife you had first, because it's all about sandwiches in this movie." So she goes to turn Mrs. Bates in her chair so she can face her and talk to her. And this is, in my opinion, this is the next best scene to the shower scene. Because she turns Mrs. Bates around and it's a fucking dried up prune of a corpse sitting in this chair. You ever leave a jack-o'-lantern out too long? Yeah, where it gets all wrinkled up and starts shrinking in on itself. Yeah, that's her face. No eyeballs left. Just, just the light, you know, because she's in the fruit cellar, and so the light bulb is hanging on a wire from the ceiling, and when she sees the corpse, she freaks out and, like, turns, smacks the light bulb, and it starts swaying just wildly on the wire. (laughs) 
And the light's refracting off of the back of Mrs. Bates' skull through her empty eye sockets, and it's amazing! Yeah, it's really really kind of beautiful when you look at it like that. (laughs) Anyway, you may as well go ahead and finish this out, because I know this is like your favorite part of the movie. It is! I love this part! Little every time I see this, it's like I'm 15 years old again, and I'm sitting on my best friend's couch, and it's Halloween night, and I'm watching it for the first time. Because when Lila's standing there, all fucking traumatized and screaming, because she's standing in the fruit cellar of a stranger's house with the corpse. <laughs> like that's never happened to you. Fucking relax. Suddenly. From the door <laughs> to Lila's right, it comes bursting open, and in comes running Norman, dressed in his mother's floral dress and a really bad wig. He looks like Auntie M from <laughs> The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> he does. And he's got that big fucking knife, and he's gonna kill Lila, and he starts advancing towards her <laughs> with this just crazy fucking look in his eyes and Sam swoops in behind him and grabs him and starts tackling him to the ground and you can kind of see like the breakdown of Norman as the wig starts to slip off and he realizes that the jig is up but he's still not quite Norman he thinks he's Norma and he's just like slipping back and forth in between those two realities kind of like you are you know when you're half asleep and half awake and you're still kind of but your body's like no it's time to wake up that's the look on norman's face it's me on monday mornings i am norman bates every morning morning well that's and uh, that's the look on his face when sam's basically choking him out with a sleeper hold you know (laughs) And the the wig slips off of his head, and the further the wig gets off of his head, the more Norman he becomes, you know? Right, but right. But when he first runs into the room, that smile on his face, that is the smile of a man who just says, I'm free. <laughs> Fuck it. Fuck it. Fuck it all. This is what I am, and everybody's going to know now because I've just lost my goddamn mind. Wee! That is somebody just over the edge and waving bye-bye, and I love that look on his face. <laughs> it's beautiful. So, of course, you know, the, the cops come in, everybody um, takes Norman away, and the closing bit of, of the movie is a psychiatrist talking and explaining what happened to Norman and why he committed these heinous murders and where his mind was at, you know, kind of explaining the breakdown, how his mother um, was just this insane person and how Norman became extremely jealous when she got with this new man and killed them both. And um, It's a really tidy wrap-up. It, it's very tight. It's almost like Brady Bunch tidy, you know, if yeah. there weren't, like, split personalities and... and murder with big fucking knives involved but yeah it really is it's like a sitcom wrap-up the psychologist is played by simon oakland who later on played uh tony vincenzo kolchak's boss on the night stalker there you go yeah so he just he just, he just stands up there and he's just talking norman 
has what we refer to as a dissociative uh, psychological disorder. He thinks he's his mother. He's not his mother. His mother's dead. But this goes on for literally like fucking ten minutes. It's like, you know what, bro? We got it. When Wrap we saw up, him man. run into the fruit cellar wearing the dress and the wig and holding the knife, we figured that shit out real fast. So thanks for this really expansive diagnosis that we did not need. <laughs> well, you know, I don't know. Maybe maybe they felt like they needed that kind of explanation there at the end. You know, what the fuck makes a man dress up in his mother's clothes and stab people to death? Well, this is what. The movie's called Psycho. <laughs> Do you really need any more explanation than that? <laughs> It's not called Psycho, and here's why. Well, it's interesting, though, because that helped, I think, maybe at least to a certain degree, build up a little bit of sympathy towards Norman, and it really established a basis for the sequels that you fucking love so much. I do love the sequels, oh my god. Yeah. Really do. So, you can't be too upset about that, but I love... Another another scene in this movie that I love so fucking much is the very final shot, the very final <laughs> closing scene. Because while the psychiatrist is going on and babbling, a cop comes in and he's like, um, you know, Norman has said he's cold. Is it OK if I take him this blanket? And the psychiatrist is like, yeah, sure, take him the fucking blanket. So the cop walks out of that room and goes down the hall and goes into the room where where Norman's being held. And Norman is sitting just by himself in a chair against a wall down at the end of this empty room. The cop takes him a blanket and he wraps it around himself. And you hear this closing speech in his mother's voice. And, you know, Norm's just sitting there staring straight ahead with his mouth shut. And she goes through this whole speech about how, um, you know, he was a an awful boy and how they thought that it was going to be her. But it wasn't her. And she'll show them. She'll be silent. And her and... In the closing shot, when the, the camera zooms in on Norman's face, he just has the most wicked look in his eyes, and it's beautiful. And, and then that's it. That's the closing of the film. So they spent ten minutes building up sympathy for Norman, and then shot all of that straight to hell, like with a 20-second <laughs> shot. Maybe so. But it really gave you, I mean, it, you were really fucking convinced. If you hadn't been up until that point, you were really fucking convinced that he was just fucked in the head. Yeah, that's true. He he was cuckoo. He, he was fucked in the head. That is correct. Another interesting tidbit about this, as far as Norman's mother, Norma Bates, goes, her her voice was done by three different voice actors. That is three weird. different actors. And they were mixed together to become one voice. Isn't that fucked up? That's weird. I think Abba used to do that. <laughs> here's another You're probably right. Here's another thing that I find interesting. Uh, Sam Loomis, um, apparently after the events of this movie, got his doctorate in psychology and moved to Haddonfield, <laughs> where he took care of Michael Myers until he escaped in 1978. <laughs> Dealing with one psycho to another. Indeed. 
No, they named that character. That's that's the name of the character, Sam Loomis in Halloween. I know. That's beautiful. I actually did not make that connection yeah. until you just now said that. Well, that's that's why I'm here. <laughs> I love that about you. I'm also here to say we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we'll play three questions and do some other stuff that has to do with Psycho. So, so go down to the fruit cellar and just My wait. Back in a I bit, guys. I'm just a normal guy. My name is Norman Face. We 
are back on Fish the Goat, and hey, guess what? It is time for America's favorite game of questioning and answering. It is time for three questions. Three questions! <laughs> Stop! Who would crush the bridge of death must answer me these questions three. And the other side, you see. What? I like this part. I know. It makes me laugh when you laugh like that. It's such a dirty laugh. <laughs> now, we had to change one of the questions um, simply because it doesn't apply during this uh, particular series. So, question number one is, why do you think the Catholics hated this movie? Hmm. Well, let's see. Um, sex out of wedlock with a divorced man. Okay. Well, you know, you're not allowed. To, you're you're not allowed to be divorced in Catholicism. They do frown That's upon that, from what I understand. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So Sam was divorced. He was trysting with uh, Marion, and they were not wed. Yeah. Oh, I've... and you know, Marion was on screen like in her bra at the beginning, and then she was nude in the shower scene. So. Nudity is frowned upon too. Well, I think she would have been. It would have been kind of disingenuous if she had been fully clothed during the shower scene. I completely agree. Yeah, I'm not so sure that that could be helped. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure they didn't like the um, the notes of um, cross dressing and transvestite behavior. Yeah, that was probably another big one. Kind of a gender bend right there. Yeah. <clears throat> right, a little bit, a little bit. I'm sure that uh, matricide probably is pretty high on the list as far as uh, mortal sins goes, uh, too. Yeah. Probably just yeah. murder in general. Yeah, yeah, i got to think that's that's yeah. a big one. Yeah. Um, I really I really think the big thing... The sex for pleasure. Oh, yeah, sex for pleasure, yeah. Yeah, no, no procreation going on there during their trysting on her lunch hour. That was that was purely just, hey, let's do this thing. Yeah. Um, but I, I think really the main thing that caused the League of Decency to condemn this film was that was just a waste of a car. That was a brand new car, man. <laughs> Don't be pushing cars into swamps, especially cars with money in them. That's just wasteful. Well, you could have used that for bingo night at the Knights of Columbus Hall. Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just thinking. It's all right. All right. Well, question number two. Why should our acolytes watch this movie, or should they? Well, it's a, it's a, um, it's a classic. I mean, it really is. People will say this is the start of the slasher genre. I'm not so so sure that's true i think we got some glimpses of that in earlier films but <clears throat> he was the most fully um, realized slasher character up to that point i'll i'll, I'll say that but i'll okay. also but i'll also say this about the movie um it's got about 10 cool minutes and the rest of it is just kind of a slog to get through what it, dude i do not agree with that 
there was way more than just 10 minutes of this movie that was exciting and interesting for me. Like, the first 10 to 15 minutes of the movie was a bit of a slog. I think up until the point where she fell asleep in her car on the side of the road somewhere in Arizona and the cops started tapping on her window. I think up to that point, it was kind of a snore. But after that, it was great. It takes... You're, you're about half an hour to maybe 35 minutes into the film before the first kill happens. So? That's an interminably long time. Aw, oh, come on. You are not one of these fans that's just counting bodies. No, I'm not counting... Well, I, I did in this movie, because <laughs> <there's only, laughs> there are only two. Well, three if you count Mother Bates. Um, I don't know, man. It just seems just there's a lot of see, and I know what you're going to tell me. So fuck it. I'll go ahead and say it. But yeah, there's a lot of just talk, 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 talk in this movie. And it's great exposition for the sequels, which I fucking love Psycho 2 and Psycho 3. But I'm going to be just that guy and say, wow, I like Psycho 2 and 3 better than I like Psycho. And as far as Hitchcock goes, I'll take the birds over Psycho any day. Okay, I do like the birds better. I'll oh, give you that. I love the birds. That's my Hitchcock movie. Yeah, yeah. I like that's that's probably my favorite. So I I will agree with you there. But I don't agree with your summation of the sequels being better than the first one. Okay, well that's fine. I mean I still think it should be watched. I just think it should be watched with a bottomless pot of coffee. Oh, <laughs> uh, all right. Well, then the third question, of course, is how many horns high do you give Psycho? You you go ahead and go first on 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 this. Question. Okay, well, because I I would give this movie a solid five horns high. I'm, yeah, I would. Gonna go three and a half. Just three and a half. Just three and a half, yeah. Well, obviously, this movie had more of an impact on me than it did on X. It is, it is but... not heresy, and I will not recant. <laughs> well, um, speaking of a bottomless pot of coffee or whatever your beverage of choice may be while you're watching this movie, we're going to give you some options. And it is time for America's favorite game of drinking with the devil, where your love of bad movies meets your disdain for your own liver. <laughs> Oh shit! Um, wow. How about this? Let's um, let's drink anytime you can imagine, Lila, with a giant black strap on. <laughs> God damn! You're <laughs> trying to kill her. Well, it's right off the bat, aren't you? <laughs> they should be used to this by now. Well, in a close second, I'm going to say drink every time Marion makes a rash and panicked decision. <laughs> Well, hell, if we're going that route, drink every time Sam is ineffectual and possibly homosexual. I don't know about the homosexual bit, but he was ineffectual a lot. Yeah. I don't know, because yeah. I, I, I know I have read somewhere that one of the reasons he did not want to marry uh, 
Marion was because secretly he was homosexual and just trying to um, fit in with society. Oh, so she was his beard? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So maybe that had something to do with the Legion of Decency's decision also. Maybe so. It's an interesting theory. It is. All right, so I'm going to call our Grandmaster Challenge for this game of drinking with the devil, and I'm going to say to drink every time you hear Norman's mother's voice in a place where you shouldn't fucking hear Norman's <laughs> mother's voice. Because it's scientifically impossible? Impossible. Oh, my God. Yes, sound doesn't work correctly, gravity doesn't work right in Cabin 1 because of how slowly she fell. It's kind, of, it's kind of a mystery spot. You know, it's one of those places where you put the ball on a table and it rolls off the other end and there's no real reason for it. It's a magnetic... Ley lines. Yeah, it's a magnetic vortex of danger and intrigue. There you go. Yeah, maybe he grew up under power lines. Maybe that's also why he went nuts. Who knows? What could it be? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I do know this, though. Um, it is time to play America's favorite game of asking us things. And it's time for Ask the Goat, where we answer your questions and you question our answers. I'll send you a love letter. Straight from my heart, fucker! You know what a love letter is? It's a bullet from a fucking gun, fucker! You receive a love letter from me. You're fucked forever! We have a lot of America's favorite games on this podcast, don't we? We have all of America's favorite games on this podcast. Fuck yeah! All of America's favorite games right here on this podcast. And maybe some of, I don't know, um, Canada's favorite games. Maybe some of possible. Scotland's favorite games. Um, just, you know, in general, favorite games. Maybe you should work cause... even harder on that. Be like Parcheesi the Goat, or... Solitaire the goat. Yeah. Rugby the goat. Rugby. Rugby, yes. Australian rules football the goat. That'd be awesome. (laughs) I love it. Let's do it. (laughs) All right. Time to start answering questions. And the first one is from Mark Schofield. Um, and Sko wants to know when we're going to get a biopic-style movie where Satan's side of the story is told and everyone realizes he's not that bad of a guy and simply misunderstood. Who would direct that movie, and would Keanu Reeves accept the role of sad Satan? Fuck, I hope so. I love Keanu Reeves. He might have some competition with Ben Affleck after this past weekend, but that's 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 neither here nor there. Um, no. y- you know what? Don't we already have this movie? Wasn't it The Devil's Advocate? And didn't we already cover that? Yeah, yeah, I kind of think so. Um, sort of. Well, I mean, Maybe. that was pretty much The Firm meets Paradise Lost. <laughs> yeah, but I don't think anybody fucking sympathized with The Devil in that movie. I mean, come on. Maybe you sympathize with Al Pacino. Just because you know mm. it's Al Pacino, but maybe you don't sympathize with the devil so much. Okay. Yeah. No. Although, really, if I was going to choose two people that I wanted to watch fuck, it would probably be Keanu Reeves and Connie Nielsen. It wouldn't matter if they were brother and sister. Just like, yeah, fuck it, I'm drunk. Give me ten minutes. I will mm. pay you well. Yeah, I'd buy that for a dollar. Uh-huh. There's that. Yeah, we've already got it. It's the devil's advocate. Um, And that was directed by Taylor Hackford. Thank you so much. Uh, next question is from Sin. 
Sid wants. <laughs> Sid wants to know what? Nothing. Go ahead. Uh huh. Sid wants to know why can't life be clothing optional? Well, shit. I thought it was. Well, for the most part. I mean, there's yeah, that whole going out in the public thing that kind of dampens that whole instinct. That depends on where you live. Well, that's true, too. You know, I mean, if you live on the right beach, you can pretty much do whatever you want. We should start a nudist colony. In Knoxville? A, a kiss-the-goat nudist colony. We might have to go outside of Knoxville, like out in the county somewhere. But, yeah. Hmm. My gods. Would people actually leave their homes and their careers to come and hang out without just come to hang out with us just to be naked? I don't know. Maybe we should poll it. Well, it's a decent question. <laughs> come live with Cootie and X in the woods and be naked. Yeah. You may be you may be disappointed. <laughs> What's disappointing about running around naked in the woods? Other than um, maybe I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> bring bring your own off. How about that? There you go. Good idea. Good gods. Yeah. Uh, from Gary Hill, does the devil think that peeps are as amazing as I do? What are his take on Robin's eggs? Peeps are nasty, bro. The only person who likes peeps is Christian. Who? Christian. The wrestler from his Twitter handle was Christian for peeps. He always had his peeps out in the audience. No oh, idea. Well, that one, that one went right over your head. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> yes. Sorry, if you listen, sorry about if you that. listen closely, you could hear that joke crashing to the ground and catching on fire. Um, <laughs> Robin's eggs are cool. I like those. Robin's eggs are yummy. I had some today, matter of fact. But I still like anything with chocolate and peanut butter better than both of those things. I'm still trying to figure out what either of those things have to do with the death and resurrection of Christ. Oh, moving on. I think they soaked peeps in water and vinegar to give him when he was thirsty on the cross. That sounds right. Yeah, that's... that's... <laughs> Vinegar peeps. Jesus Christ. <laughs> All right, Cindy wants to know what is Satan's favorite vacation spot and what guys does he take on when he goes there? You know what? I'm pretty sure Satan's vaca- favorite vacation spot is our apartment. That shit? That's my favorite vacation spot. Yeah, might as well. Yeah. Um, what guys does he take? I don't know. The cable guy? (laughs) Tequila. The pizza tequila? (laughs) That's probably more correct than anything. He becomes tequila, and I immediately forget everything that I've done for the last four months. I like that. I like that one. But I also like to think that Satan's favorite vacation spot is Hawaii. And his guise is Pele. And he shows up as either an old woman or a beautiful young maiden. And if you don't help her and you piss her the fuck off, then she's just going to cleanse the island in fire raining from the sky. 
Hey, Libra. You've really thought a lot about this, haven't you? I really have. I'm kind of quite fond of Pele, actually. I have been since I was a little girl. <laughs> yeah, I t- totally. I read a book. It was a fiction novel about some girl that lived in Hawaii, and there was a volcano that exploded, and her grandmother was like, oh, fuck, we better send an offering to Pele. So she did. She took fucking raw steak and a bottle of... When did she take her? A bottle of some alcoholic beverage. I can't remember now. It's been way too many years ago. I'm talking like, you know, 32 years ago now since the last time I read this book. But, yeah, threw it into the stream of lava that was flowing down off the volcano, and her house and property was spared. You know most people think Pele is a soccer player, right? Yeah, fuck those people. They need to read more. Yeah, okay. It's fair. It's fair. Um, Sin wants to know, is Satan single? She's asking for a friend. I don't think it matters. Well, I happen to know for a fact that Satan is not single. Because he is Legion. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. (laughs) There you go. Oh, and finally, Sin, uh, Sin wants to know, well, not finally. I have one more after this, but Sin wants to know when will the goat line be utilized again? Oh shit! Well, y'all can use that anytime. Goat. Yeah, man, that's not a problem. Just send us, you know, send us messages. Whatever, it's still up and going. That's um one eight six five three zero nine four nine six nine, and that will get you to the goat line where you can leave us a message. Once again, one eight six five three zero nine four nine six nine. Wow, that's amazing. Right? You got your radio voice on. There you go. All right. Our final question is from Joe Nance. (laughs) He's slurping. Joe Nance. What says the Nance man? (laughs) We are very close to um, Easter. In fact, we're actually recording on Easter right now. So he sent me this yesterday. And he says, it's Easter tomorrow at the church across the street from my farm. This year, the holiday coincides with the beginning of milking season. I have to separate the lambs from their mothers for the first time, and they always cry for three days. Now, is it wrong for me to make the separation during their ceremonies with the three days of weeping symbolism in the back of my mind, or is it very, very right? Aww. I think it's the rightest thing you could possibly do. I gotta agree. I mean, come on. The symbolism's there, the subversion is there, just it's all that that's just all perfect. Fucking run with it, dude. Dude, and if they cry for three days, then what you do is on Thursday, you go up to the church and you slip a picture of Anthony Hopkins wearing a snap mask underneath their door. <laughs> and just right on the back, quid pro quo, Clarice. And... When will the lambs stop screaming, Clarice? <laughs> uh, Thursday, according to, to according to Joe. So... <laughs> It's good to know we have a time frame. Yeah, yeah, I don't like to have uh, these things unscheduled. Yeah, I can't with all that. Yeah. That's going to do it for uh, ask, right. ask the Goat. You know what, you can always leave us an Ask the Goat question 
um, either on the Facebook group page or on the GOAT line. What's that number again, Cody? 865-309-4969. Very nice. So, yeah, we've already asked you to um, join the Facebook group page, and you really should do that, because why not? Yeah, join us on Facebook. What else are you doing with your time? If you're on Facebook anyway, and you're listening to this show, just combine those two things for a better experience. For a better tomorrow. Jesus. (laughs) Yes, that too. You can also follow us on Twitter because Kiss the Goat is now on Twitter at KTG Podcast. You can also visit our brand spanking new website. Oh, yeah. Tell us about the website, baby. Uh, new website, kissthegoat.com, where you can see all of our episodes from day one up until the latest episode. You can also check out information about us because we're awesome people. Read comments from the Acolytes. Leave your own comment if you so desire. You can contact us through the form there. You can also check out our line of goat wear. We've got hoodies. We've got t-shirts. We've got sports bras. we got panties. We've even got baby creepers. Go look at it. You're going to love it, I promise. Pretty good stuff. Hey, thanks to Bo at Legion Podcasts for... Um letting us have a place to host this little show and spread the filth and grime and heresy, blasphemy, (laughs) just all the stuff that we do here at the show. He does it, and he has no moral compunctions about it, at least none that he's, you know, shared with me. So really really just grateful and thankful for that. Thank you so much. Thanks, Bo. Love you, man. We also love you guys, our acolytes, our faithful listeners. You are at our hearts constantly. And thanks for sticking with us when we like kind of freak out and don't record for weeks at a time. And still coming back to listen to us because we think you're awesome. That's going to do it for this edition of Kiss the Goat. We'll be back next time with another condemned film. Woohoo! Right? So until such a moment as that arrives, we we don't know how to end this show. We really don't. It's yeah. it's just kind of we make this shit up. So yeah. So if we start babbling at the end, it's just because you know we are just lonely people and don't want to <laughs> don't want to stop talking to our surrogate friends. Yes. Yeah, so in case you've there. forgotten, in case in case throughout this entire you know babbling episode you've forgotten my name is cootie and i am x hail satan
Do I have to pay for the demon test? I don't think so. Well, because I think it's part of the um, it's part of the, the hook to get you to believe you're demonically possessed, so you'll pay the two hundred ninety-five dollar for the Skyper system. Okay. Well, that's I I understand that completely. Okay. That's my my own word. I should be trademarking it. <laughs> should. You totally should. Dude, you cannot get to the demon test. We need to set up our own demon test. Oh, that would be awesome. Right? That would be I could awesome. totally do that on kissthegoat.com. <laughs> test start test, and then it goes to a few words about your demon test. This may be the most important spiritual decision you've ever made. But not if you can't get to the test. <laughs> Maybe yeah. if you can't get to the test, you failed, meaning you have demons. Well, okay. I'm going to have... Take your demon test here, and on the button, it's going to say, Fuck Bob Larson. <laughs> and then you click that, and then you get to actually take a demon test. <laughs> Do you actually get to fuck Barb Larson, though? No. Maybe, oh. No, but maybe we'll maybe we'll have somebody do a little like animated gif for us of like Satan fucking Bob Larson at the end of the quiz. That would be. Oh, cool. that would be awesome and test. I think you have. I think there's. Well, it says the first step on your journey to a new life begins with the demon test. Con <laughs> to contact us, please call this number or click here to send an email indicating your interest in a personal session with Bob. Is it demontest.org or demontest.com? It's demontest.com. Let's see if we can find demontest.org. I think this is important. This is important investigative journalism. I have my I think, friend looking for it I think your new life begins with a dildo, not a demon test, but that could just be me. Demontest.com, yeah. I don't actually fix things. What? <laughs> <laughs> we just stick around with it till it works. Right on. <laughs> it really is. It's great. Oh goodness. Alright then. <clears throat> In five, four, three. Welcome back to Kiss the Goat. Tonight, we are talking about the 1960 film Psycho by one Alfred Hitchcock. When, po <laughs> when Pokemon do what? <laughs> Jesus. Fuck me in the goat ass. Come on. Get it together, cutie. <laughs> it's all right. I, I could I, do this. I could do this. I'm going I'm to try one more time. Okay. Right. And try it one more time. Right. Is that all right? <laughs> I can hear your tongue waggling around in the microphone. That's awesome. <laughs> That's one of the weirdest things I've ever heard you say. <laughs> I love you, Sin. <laughs> you just love Sin. <laughs> just what? You just love Sin. Well, yeah. <laughs> How many sheets could a sheet slitter slit if a sheet slitter could slit sheets? Bishop came out of the bathroom just now and said, Hey, Mom, Dad said you were a boy. And then he looked at me and he was like, I did not know you were in here. <laughs> and then he just collapsed in a fit of giggles and backed out of the bedroom. Am I not just? Am I not communicating well tonight? Is, is that the problem? Is... 
Talk to anybody you're doing. Okay, hold on. <laughs> if you can juggle those all the way from Knoxville to Phoenix, I'll be impressed. Tucson, Tucson. Same thing. I didn't understand what you said. Did you have a dick in your mouth? <laughs> just so you know, I could hear you sucking. Yeah, well, I didn't mute it. Oh, I'm just letting you know. That's, and that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> you I, sucker. I try to mute when I suck. Um, especially if there are, you know, other people in the room. <laughs>